What's good, beloved ones? My name is Jordan Brady Kelly, um, part of Beloved Ones United, and I have a special guest today. This guy is my spiritual big brother. He has helped me through understanding my identity as a son. He has helped me pretty much build on the foundation of of my faith and help me understand that righteousness is only from Jesus and that I cannot build or take away from it. Um, but without further ado, let's set the stage. Ryan, welcome. Well, beloved ones, it is great to be with you all. As Jordan mentioned earlier, my name is Ryan, and I am just like you guys. I'm a son of God that's uh, learning to love every day. And uh, my heart behind today is uh, to share with you the things that I wish I would have known 10 years ago when I started my walk. You know, I uh, I started my walk as a hungry uh believer that was just right off drugs and I was so hungry so I soaked everything up like a sponge and uh, the thing was I I spent years and years going to every prayer meeting devouring my Bible um, every church service that you could think of but in that time there was a lot that I also received that brought me from getting free to an addiction to being enslaved by religion and uh, I'd like to share some things today that I hope and pray would in- untangle us from a lot of what we've learned of who God is and what His nature is for us. You know, because I I think anyone that's listening to this podcast would like to be more intimate with God, and you're listening to this because you'd, you'd like to know God more. And so I don't think... The struggle is with you doing more and praying more or fasting more, but I believe that intimacy comes from surrendering to Him and allowing Him to carry you into it. It doesn't come from the doing more, but it comes from surrendering to Him and allowing Him to carry you into all that He has for you. And... uh I want to principally talk about what beloved identity is. It sounds like a cool catchphrase, but it's much more than this. You know, when we when we talk about love, you know, a lot of people talk about love in a worldly way. And they talk about, I think love has been confused. And you're hearing a, a phrase now that, you know, love is every everything and towards everyone. And yes, God does love everyone, but God defines his type of love in a different way. It's not carnal love, it's not sensual love, but it's a word called agape, and, and that love refers to a pure, unconditional, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. And when we reference the word beloved and even as other people jump on podcasts later and, and they talk about this, when you think about God's love, think about the agape type of love that's willfully desiring your greatest good. And, you know, I, I believe that we begin to accept this message when we realize that we are not condemned already. 
And so, you know, Romans, it, it talks about how, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So when you are in Jesus, you are already no longer condemned. And I think the issue why many people are still having cycles of sin and cycles of maybe behaviors that they fall into one time after another is because they have still allowed the voice of condemnation to harbor them and to bully them every time they commit a sin. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times we're focused on on changing the behavior, but we're not focused on that a person is misidentified. And so when we actually focus on behavior and we focus off of identification, we're focusing on the wrong thing. It's like you're you're telling a, a person that has learned a, a, a whole way their whole life and, and they're broken in every way. You're just telling them you need to be better. But what if they don't know how to be better? And what if they, they haven't learned who they are? And if they haven't learned who they are, then they're always going to act like the measure or the amount that they have learned thus far. And I, I think the thing that we've been running into in the church a lot of times is you have pastors and, and leaders that are saying, you got to walk in purity, you got to walk in holiness, but but they're, they're preaching these messages without telling you who God's called you as. And, and, and when this happens, we, we, we call people to a place that they can't get to. And the thing is, you'll never attain the place that God's called you, you're already in it. And, and I, th- I think a, a lot of people, you know, they, they have a hard time with this message because they're like, well, then what do I need to do? What do I need to change? And I, I don't think it's what you need to do or what you need to change, but it is more what you need to realize. And, you know, I, I love in Proverbs 25 too, you know, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. So God's God's not hiding who he is from you, but he's hidden it as a treasure for you to search out because faith isn't just a decision that you make, but it is a discovery of the divine. And so when we see faith as a decision, we've turned it into rules and regulations, but we, when we, when we, discover that it is a discovery, we live like a child with wonder and fascination of who he is. And when we begin to live with wonder and fascination, that's when our hearts begin to come alive. You know, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. He didn't say I've come so that you can do a lot of ministry. He said, I have come to give you life. And I believe that God is calling those in in this day to be marked with life and abundant life. And I believe a lot of the world now doesn't want what's in the Christian church because we haven't had an expression of the God life. You know, just like it says in John 1, 5, that in him was life and the life was the light to all men. And I believe when we live in him, our lives become a light that's a light to all of those that were around. And that begins to testify of the goodness of the gospel that we've heard. And not just in words, but in a life lived. 
Because walking intimately with the Lord isn't just about the language that we speak, how we preach, how we worship in songs, but but it's a lifestyle. And I believe that that those that begin to 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 really receive this message, you're going to find inside of you that that you're going to begin to live in a joy in a life that that uh that you never could have gotten by trying to do more things or by trying to to pray more, but what you'll realize is when you begin to realize the gift that God's hidden inside of you and and the gift of knowing how loved you are, man, you're going to begin to dance because you'll realize you'll realize, wow, maybe a lot of what I've tried to work for in my Christian life was not something that I could work into, but was something inside that I get to discover and I get to go on a journey with God. And how and, and and this is when wonder and fascination wakes up. And I believe that God today, He wants to lead us into wonder and fascination and life in, in, in a way that we haven't experienced before. And he, here's the thing. You know, we we hear of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, I, I think a lot of times people get kind of cognitive confusion because they, they hear of a God in the Old Testament that would kill people and, and that was judgmental and, and that sent fire and, and that there wasn't, um, there wasn't a way for, there wasn't a way for there to be kind of redemption from sin at that point. And then you hear about Jesus, right, in the, in the New Testament, and a lot of people get confused because they're like, wow, Jesus, he sounds so kind and he sounds so good. And so in your mind, you start to go through this thing that one's the bad cop and one's the good cop. And you get confused because then you go, well, which one is God? And I would deem to say that anything that you find in the nature and character of Jesus is of God. And if you're finding a different nature in what you've read in the old covenant, that's not of God because he, he came to fulfill, to fulfill that old covenant because what was happening was we, we took that and it wasn't good. And God said, I got to send my son to show them that what they thought I was like is not what I am like. And, and, and I, I think Today, we, we, we need to redefine what the word sin is. And I'm not redefining this just by redefining it. In, in the Greek, the, the Greek word for sin, it's a word called hamartia. And a, 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 lot, of old, a lot of old theologians have, have said, you know, this word means that you are missing the mark. And the issue that I have with this is when you're missing the mark— that means you're always trying to hit the mark again. And that, that, that actual Greek word is broken down into, to, to, into two different words. And so ha means negative and without form. And martia comes from a word meros. And meros means that it's operating outside of intended design. Not missing the mark. And so actually, when you are... In a lifestyle of sin, you're operating outside of intended design. 
And and I think when you realize that that you're operating outside of intended design, then you realize, wow, I'm acting this way because I I just don't know who I am yet. So Lord, show me who I am. And God will come with kindness. Because it, like it says in Romans 2, 4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And see, this word repentance is a Greek word called metanoia. And metanoia, a lot of times I think we've been taught, man, preachers aren't talking about repentance. We need to talk about repentance more. But we've learned repentance as an emotional thing that we need to cry more and it's somehow we got to stop doing what we're doing. And repentance is a lot more than that. Repentance in that Greek word, it means this. It's a change or awakening in the mind after receiving knowledge. So, so here's what it is. You can't repent if you don't know. And so the Lord's helping us to realize what it is to be the righteousness of God, to be his beloved. Why? Because that's going to lead to repentance and repentance being a changed mind and a changed mind being changed actions. And so when we realized how loved we are by him, then we actually begin to walk in repentance. And this is true repentance is being renewed in the mind. You know, and, and uh, it's so incredible that uh, God's always coming to us, even when we're stuck in our box and when we're stuck in our religion. You know, while we were still sinners, it says in Romans 5, 8, that Christ died for us. That even while we, we've been in our messes and, and we've, we've been uh, running away from him or we've been striving in ministry, he sees us and he sees our hearts. And you know what I love about God is even over the years, you know, I, I uh, made so many different mistakes and I think I had a sincere heart through all of it. And, you know, God loves the heart that is in immature sincerity. Yeah, you're immature, but but you have a pure heart. But the thing about this is, is you know, it says in Matthew that those those with a pure heart that they'll see God. And so a lot of people are probably asking, man, I'm, I'm in all this garbage. Well, if you got a pure heart, he's leading you the tr- to truth. Because those that have a pure heart, they'll see God. And so, you know, I, I, I want to talk about this beloved identity today because I, I think it's so important for us to really grasp what this is. And God wants to take out all of the rules and the regulations that we've had on ourselves and show us what grace actually is. Because grace isn't something that empowers us to sin more. Grace is actually the only vehicle to the measure of purity and holiness that we're aiming for, but we can never get to. And so a lot of people are like, man, you know, if you're a grace preacher, you're just saying that because it gives you the freedom to do whatever you want. I think grace gives you the ticket and the door to go into the measure of holiness that striving could never get you into. The reason why that religion actually keeps you in bondage, and a lot of times those that are stuck in this spirit of striving still have many issues with perversion, is because religion is a perverse spirit. And so when we actually 
when we actually receive grace, we free ourselves from this perversion, right? Because we're, 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 we're always trying to insulate ourselves from the freedom that we're afraid of because we don't know how he sees us. And so we insulate ourselves and we, we, we settle for rules and regulations instead of hearing God's voice and following it. Because every time you hear God's voice and you follow it, you're delivered and you're set free. And grace looks like hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and following it. I'll give you an example. I, uh, I, I work in business and uh, I was with a couple of my colleagues just uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, we, were, uh, we, we, were, we were on this land with these farmers and, and they, uh, they told us like, man, you're, you're not going to find water on this land. It's, it's bad land. And our owners had bought this land. And so we get on that land and we just start driving around and we're just praying. And we're like, God, you know, is what these farmers said, like, is that true? And, and we're not really hearing anything. And so we continue to drive around. And at a certain point, a physical wind hits this car that we're driving in. And we step out of the car and, uh, and we start just walking and we're walking and praying and at a certain other point, a wind hits all of us and we're like, I, I think we're standing on a well. And so we told these drillers to drill a well at this place that like looked like there could be nothing there. And just a few weeks ago, they found thousands of gallons per minute of water from a place that people told us there, there, there's nothing there. See, when you listen to the voice of God and you follow it, it defies everything that the carnal mind is, is telling you. You know, I, and, and it's, it's God's voice is meant to deliver us of our carnal mind. You know, it says in Romans 8 verse 14 that the mature children of God, and I'm reading to verse 17, are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And so what's true maturity? It's not just that you know a lot of the Bible and that you can memorize a lot. It's that you have read the Bible and read the person of Jesus in the Bible and you have come to maturity. And because of that, now you are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That is being mature. Being matured is recognizing God's voice. And the Bible does help you to recognize God's voice because the Bible is the language of the Spirit. So I'm not here telling you, go and follow spirits. I'm saying, read the Bible because it leads you to a man, but read the book to meet a man. Don't read the book just to get more knowledge about a book. Because when you read this book and you realize that, that inside of this book is a man, you'll begin to come to life. And, and you'll realize his character and nature, and you'll begin to walk life moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And just like just like in that story where it defied all odds, you'll find that your life in itself begins to defy all the odds. That that you're that person that shows up to at that business that has no chance of making it and it makes it. That you're that person that shows up at that church that has no chance of seeing God come and you dig a well at that place that's full of religion God shows you where to dig the well. 
when you follow the in- impulses of the Holy Spirit, you'll dig in the places that nobody else is digging. Why? Because he's hidden the treasures for you. Just like I said earlier in Proverbs 25 too, that he's concealed for kings to search out. And so he's concealed these treasures for you to search out. And as you follow the wind of the Spirit, you're going to begin to find all the treasures that he's hidden for you in this journey. But a lot of us, I, I think, are being... We're, we're being led by the spirit of religious duty, and that leads us into the fear of never being good enough. And that spirit of religious duty is, I think, taught in a lot of church circles that, you know, you, you got to get it better. And, 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 and this creates a mindset of abandonment. And I think it is that assumption of separation that fuels the anxiety concerning abandonment, that, that we... We feel abandoned and orphaned because we've been told all our lives that we don't measure up. But what if you have the spirit of full acceptance? And so I'm going to read the, the, uh, a couple of more verses here. And it says, but you have received, verse 15, the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will bring we will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. And, you know, I, I love in this verse, the word son, it's this Greek word, we and you spell it H Y I O S. And, you know, we've learned son as a lot of things, but this Greek word means it's a son who accurately shared the same nature as his father. And so in in that culture back in that day, the father would actually hand the son a ring and, and, and he would put it on that son's finger. And basically when that son had that ring, that son could actually conduct commerce and business in the same way and with the same authority as the father. And so this is what God's saying when, when he's saying, man, you're my beloved son is that now you're accurately sharing my nature and I trust you. And the the where we're aiming at for beloved identity is that we so realize the nature and the character of God that he marks us with his trust and we become co-heirs with him. Which means it's not just about doing a lot in your life and trying to get a lot of people saved. But actually at that point, you say, God, I want to dream with you and I want to dream the dreams of God. And you begin to dream. And because you accurately share the same nature as your father, the father says, he, he comes alongside of you and he says, no longer do I call you servant like it says in John 15, but I call you my most intimate friend. And I believe in beloved identity, the promise is friendship with God. Where God says, no longer do I call you a servant, but I call you my most intimate friend. And in that place of friendship, we begin to dream 
with God. And so it's no longer just being a slave to him. Being led is not slavery, but it's mirroring what the Father is doing. So being led by the Lord, when, when we follow God's Spirit, you know, it says that, that those who are led by the Spirit of, of God, those are the sons of God. And I believe that God is raising up a generation of those that are being led by His Spirit and those that are following the wind of His Spirit in these days. And uh, I, I believe when we come back to following His Spirit, we're, we're going to begin to speak the language that impacts this world around us. You know, just like in Acts 2, you know, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you have all of those around, they begin to speak in other tongues and they begin to overflow. And as they begin to overflow, all of those around them, they begin to hear the gospel translated into their own language. Maybe the world around us isn't hearing the language that we're speaking in because we're not overflowing with the Spirit. And when we begin to overflow with the Spirit of God, just like those in Acts 2 did, God will translate it into the language that that this world can hear. And I believe that that as we we overflow and and we're led by the Spirit of God in these days, God's going to begin to to lead us into places that we've we've not planned to go to. Just like all the disciples, they they ended up they they were led into places they didn't plan to. They had deaths that they didn't plan for. And uh through it all, their their lives multiplied in a way that 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 we could never that that we could never even calculate how great that impact was. You know, it's astounding to me how much of the world was reached through such a small amount of people. And that's because there was just there, there was just a few that followed that that spirit. And I think it's important for us to know as as we're following the spirit of God, you know, you, you might be asking yourselves, man, how come my prayers they don't work? They're not landing. And and when I pray nothing happens. Well, maybe because you don't know you're righteous yet. I think a lot of what we're not seeing is connected to how we're identifying more than how hard we're praying more. I think a lot of times we try to go, man, maybe we should pray longer and we should pray more. Well, it says this in, 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 in James 5.16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What kind of man are we talking about? A righteous man. And if you don't know that you're righteous then how could you pray an effectual, fervent prayer of a man? It says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, and here's what it is. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, For our sake he made him to be, who, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so you are as righteous as God today, not because of you, but because you are in Jesus. And if you could get 5% more righteous right now because you did something right, then it would it would be based off of your righteous off of your righteousness. And so I think this is more based off of being pierced by realization than changing your life and getting it right. And I believe when you are pierced by this 
realization, it will change the way that you live. And what you'll find is those things that you've tried to get yourselves free from that you couldn't get free from, you're going to start hitting those things without even aiming at them. It's like a person that's riding a bike and they're riding the bike and they keep on crashing and they keep on falling down because they're focused on trying to fix how they're riding the bike. And I, I believe the Lord's saying, hey, just enjoy the bike ride. And when you look up and you look at the scenery and you look at all the beautiful scenery around, you realize that you're riding the bike already. And you're not trying to fix all of your how you ride the bike. You're just riding the bike and enjoying the scenery. I think when we begin to enjoy the love of God and God's love towards us and, and we live life in that love, we actually produce maybe on the, the exterior we produce a lot more than that person that's trying to do more. You know, I, I love how Mike Bickle, he has a, a saying, he says that lovers always do more than workers. And I think those that, that, are, that, that get pierced by the love of God and those that get pierced by his goodness, they're always doing more than those that are working. It's not that they become lazy. You know, when, when a man loves his wife, he doesn't have to try to not cheat on her. He can't wait to look at her, and he can't wait to be with her. He's not looking for opportunities to go and cheat with her with other women. He is so in love that 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 when he does stuff for her, it it, it doesn't really even he doesn't see it as a sacrifice or, or or cost because he's fallen so in love that that all of it has become clockwork. All the stuff that he does for her, he does it out of delight and not discipline. I believe that God's bringing us to a place of delight, that we're not just going to discipline ourselves into, you know, being lovers of God, but we're going to fall into his delight so much that we couldn't help but dance as we live our lives. And I think this is the, the type of love that he wants to unveil in us. And even as we, we go on this journey with this podcast, you know, I believe that God wants to bring us back into this dance with him. And, 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 and this dance with him, it's, it's a Greek word called peri, perichoresis. And peri is like the word perimeter. And choresis is like the word choreography. And so a perimeter is like a circle. And a choreography is like a dance. And what the Lord wants to bring us into is this dance between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And when we walk in, in this dance with him, we begin to experience the joy in life that we couldn't ever work for. I'm going to close with this. I, I know a lot of people listening to this uh, message today, you're probably asking yourself, man, you know, I'm, I, I desire to experience this, but frankly, I'm not experiencing this. Or maybe some of you, you're so far away from, you've made many bad decisions and and uh you're at the point where you're just like hey i i just want to i, I want to hear god you know i love luke 15 because it, it talks about a man that has two sons and it talks about a lost sheep a lost coin and a lost son so if you go to luke 15 there's three different things that it talks about here and uh the the, the thing is when it talks about the lost sheep the lost coin and the lost son 
they all belong to, to something and somebody before. The lost sheep belonged to the shepherd. The lost coin belonged to the woman. And the lost son was already the son of his father. And so in this parable, there's two sons and the younger one of them, you know, he, he goes to his father and he says, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And so the father gives him his inheritance. He goes and runs off and he's super reckless with it. And he uh, basically at that point, he uh, spends his money on prostitutes, reckless living. And uh, eventually he comes to himself, right? And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And this is, I I believe, he created a narrative inside of his mind that he was no longer worthy anymore because of the decisions that he made. And I think a lot of times when we've made decisions that are that we know weren't the right things. We've created a narrative in our own heads. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that crazy? The father didn't tell him that he wasn't worthy. He told himself that because of the decisions that he made. And I think a lot of times we allow our identity to be affected because of the decisions that we made, but it is not changing the father's declaration over us. And then we say this, treat me as one of your hired servants, right? So, so he's arising and he's now coming to his father as a servant because he's created a narrative in his own mind. And I think many of us are in this place where we've created a narrative in our own minds and we're coming to the father as a servant when that's not what he calls us. And I'm going to continue reading. It says that he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, bring a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and get this word celebrate. Why is this a big deal? Because when we come to to the Father and back into his arms, it's always a celebration. And it's a celebration to be the beloved and to be in his presence. And it's actually a party. But here's the thing. The older son hates the fact that they're having music and they're having dancing. And he calls the the, uh, servants and he's like, man, what are these guys doing? Right? And he comes to his father and he's like, look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you've never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And so this older brother got so jealous, right, that the younger brother was having a party. And here's what happens. When you begin to receive the message of grace and of beloved identity, a party and a celebration begins to happen in your life. And what happens is those that have followed all the rules all their lives and those that are stuck in a religious spirit will come to you and say, you're not supposed to party like that. You can't have fun like that. You shouldn't be doing this. Why? Because grace is the exposure of the heart. And so grace actually exposed the the purity 
of what God was doing towards the younger brother exposed the impurity of the older brother and the religious spirit inside of him. And a lot of times when you start talking about this kind of stuff, you're going to get people that, that tell you, man, this is greasy. This is uh, giving people a license to sin. No, you're just, you're, you're giving them the license for them to go where they never could have gone if they were to try to work there. And so it's actually incredible because here's, this, here's the, the precipice of the story is we all need this because whether you're the, the, whether you're the, the, the younger son that lost his way or you're the older son that stayed in the house, both of them left their way. One just, one just left the house. The other lost his, his way and stayed in the house. And so if you've created a narrative of unworthiness, I believe that God is coming home. He's calling you to come home today into his beloved arms. And he's saying, you're too loved to think of yourself as an orphan. You're not an orphan. You're my beloved son. And so I just want to pray for those of you today that uh, no matter what side of the spectrum that you're on, that God would release a measure of his love, his kindness to you, that would set you free and that you would know that you're, you're never going to have to work for this, but allow it to pierce you and allow him to carry you into it. So let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for all of those that are listening to this podcast. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the, for the opportunity that they have to hear this message. And Lord, I just pray that it wouldn't just be another message. But Lord, I just pray that even now, that you would impart, Lord, beloved identity to all those that are hearing and listening. And Lord, even towards those that are critical, Lord, I just thank you that you love them. You love them so much and that you want to meet them too. And so, Lord, I just pray your love, Lord, over all those that are listening. And Lord, for those that feel far from you, that have even made mistakes today, Lord, I thank you that you're telling them today that they're no longer condemned because they're your sons and they're your daughters and they belong in your house and that it's time to celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much, you guys, for uh, having me on. And uh, I pray that as you guys uh, continue and, and you guys listen to more podcasts, that you fall into his beloved arms and, uh, and you're loved by an unrelenting, passionate love that, that has no restrictions towards you. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. I'm standing on mm-hmm. You're more real than The wind in my lungs
Your thoughts define me. You're inside me. You are my reality. My reality. Yes, you are. I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. You're closer than the skin on my bones. Closer than the song on my tongue. Yes, you are. Your thoughts define me. You're inside me. You are my reality. Sing Abba, Abba. I belong to you. Yes, only you, only you. Abba. Cause you're my father Abba I belong to you You came running down my prodigal road Yes, you came running with a ring and a rope Grace is the collision on the way back home In the arms of a father who won't let go Yes, you came running down my prodigal road Yes, you did Yes, you came running with a ring and a rope For grace is the collision on the way back home with the arms of a father who won't let go Abba I belong to you yes I am yours forever yours Abba I belong to you And 